To learn more about Dream City Church, you can visit our website where you can join groups, register for events, safely give, and so much more. DreamCityOK.Church All the world starts changing When the church starts Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you this morning. So awesome to have you guys. For everyone that's watching online, we got a ton of people sick and all sorts of junk going around. But, uh, man, I'm glad to be here. I think God's got something special in store for us. Do you believe that? Man, I'm probably a little bit biased, but uh, I think we got far and away the best-looking kids in town. Would you agree with that? Man, we're so blessed. Just amazing. 30-something babies got dedicated today. And... One of the most beautiful parts of that is just looking at some of these moms and dads that have recently given their hearts to the Lord, that weren't raised in church, that their parents never dedicated them to the Lord. And so you just, you know, we hear a lot about generational curses and things, but today you get the privilege of watching generational blessings happen right before your eyes. Or God changes and transforms lives of moms and dads, but that changes the future of the whole family. So, man, we're blessed. And I just want to remind you and encourage you, this is why we do everything that we do. Scripture says don't grow weary in doing good. And every time you give and every time you serve and every time you pray and every time you go above and beyond and love till it hurts and give and find ways to give more, this is the reason why. Because God's using you to make an eternal difference in so many lives. And I think that's good news, Dream City. How about you? Come on, give God some praise this morning. This Wednesday, you have one last chance to come be a part of what has been one of my favorite events Probably one of the better ideas I've ever had in ministry. I've had some good ideas, but when I said to heck with uh, prayer and fasting, and I said, how about we do some prayer and feasting? Like, man, the Holy Spirit did something in my life, right? This Wednesday at 6.15 will be our last feast. Uh, so I would love, 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 love to have you guys here. The food's been phenomenal. Kami Runyon, God bless you. Give it up for this woman and her Loaves of Love team. We'll worship a little bit together. We'll pray a little bit together. Uh, and if you haven't opened up your home or opened up your life to somebody these past few weeks, I would strongly encourage you to do that. My schedule has been crazy. I've, some days I have had three or four different feasts in a day, truly. Uh, but it's been one of the most rewarding and fulfilling two to three weeks of my life. Just something special when the body of Christ gets together. And you don't have to talk about spiritual things or pray for hours, but you're just together and you laugh and you talk and you get to know each other. And it's just, it's beautiful. Amen. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you desperately need some other people in your life. We're so much better together. So I'm challenging you this morning. And today I am wrapping up our three-part series. And our computer's not working. Is that right, Blake? Man, we've had like some little gremlins in our tech this morning. But we're wrapping up this three-part series called Pray on Purpose. And two weeks ago, we talked about why we should pray. What, what's prayer all about? And that prayer keeps you connected to God. Man, if you need guidance from the Lord, which every person in this room does, that's how you get guidance from the Lord. It keeps your heart clean. Man, some of those days where you just are struggling to believe God's word, where you're just struggling to have faith to hold on to his promise, guess what? Prayer creates faith in our lives, man. And the number one reason I pray is pretty simple, friends. I think it works. 
and I can see God's faithful hand all through my life. When God's people start praying, things start happening, amen. And last week we talked about how we should pray. And luckily you didn't just get to hear my random opinion on the subject, but somebody who had experience who's pretty important, whose name is Jesus, actually said, hey, this is how you do it. And there were six main parts to that. First of all, you got to remember who it is you're praying to. He's a good, good father in heaven. Amen. Man, you got to start with worship. Hallowed be your name. Start with worship. you got to pray the right kind of prayers. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Because he loves you too much to answer all those selfish prayers. If he answered all the prayers you ever played, your, your life would be a disaster, Right? you got to connect with him daily. Give me today my daily bread. And you got to keep this heart healthy. you got to forgive others just like God has forgiven you. And lastly, we got to learn to pray some plural prayers, some prayers that are bigger than you and your wants and your desires. Because the bigger you pray, the bigger God can move in your life. Amen? So today and the next 18 minutes. This is going to be the shortest message I've ever preached. And all God's people said. <laughs> I want to speak to you very practically today. And I mean very practically. I know Christianity is very spiritual. Following the Lord is very spiritual. But if all it is is spiritual and there's no practical application, you don't get very far. You've heard the expression, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. That's the category that many believers fall into. So today I want to give you four Ps. Four Ps today that are going to be practical approach to praying on purpose. Four Ps to a practical approach to praying on purpose. If you're going to be successful in your prayer life, becoming who God wants you to be, the first P you need in your prayer life is you need a place. You need a place that this is where I'm going to go and this is where I'm going to pray. Jesus modeled this to our, to our lives all through the New Testament. Let me give you a couple illustrations. Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. You need to discover a place in your life. This is where I'm going to go, where I can connect with God. Okay? Now, don't get too hung up on this specific place, although I think we need to have those places in life where, man, when I got to get a hold of God, this is where I'm going to go. But Life doesn't afford most of us three or four spare hours a day to like, hey, I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Like, that's not how parenting life works, right? Sometimes we wish we could disappear on a mountainside for three or four hours, right? But that's not how it works. So, man, if you're going through something and you got to pray, like, oh, gosh, it's Tuesday, though. And I can't get to the mountain until later on Friday afternoon. So hold that thought, God. I'll see you Friday. Like, no, 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 that's... That's not really the place that I'm talking about. I, I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is, yes, it's a place, but what's significant about the place that Jesus went to is he went there on purpose. You go to this place on purpose where you're leaving aside the distractions, 
where you're leaving behind the worries, where you're turning off the television and the cell phone and all those things that create so much chaos in your life. You put those things aside and say, I'm going to go intentionally on purpose, pray, and see God. So your mountainside could be your car on the way to work. That, man, I have had some powerful encounters with the Lord in my car Maybe your mountainside could be going into the bathroom, leaving the rugrats out, locking the door, and meeting with God, right? But wherever your mountain place is, you need to find that place or that way that, man, when I go here, I can connect with God. It's one of the things that's changed my life the most over the last 24 years. I learned at the age of 16, when I sit down at a piano, when I tune my heart towards God, when I block out distractions, man, it doesn't matter what's going on in life, I can meet with God. The crazy thing about prayer is I wish that every time I left those prayer sessions that everything was different. Usually the case, it's not. Because God's really not in the business of changing your circumstances as much as he is into changing you. But when you go pray, man, your outlook, your perspective, your attitude, drastically different in the exact same situation. If you want to be successful, you got to find that place that you can go and pray and meet with God. Amen? Number two, if you're going to be successful in prayer, then you have to have the right posture. The right posture, which means that God only listens to you if you're kneeled down, if your head's bowed, eyes closed, hands folded. They got to be folded. They can't be up. They got to be folded. This is the way to, no, that's, that's not at all what I'm talking about. Sometimes we make prayer way too complicated, way too difficult. There is a very important posture in prayer, but it really has nothing to do with your outward body. It's a posture of your body that doesn't really count. What really counts is the position of your heart. And your body can be doing all the right things, and your heart can be in all the wrong places. So it's not an outward posture, it's an inward position of your heart. Sometimes I do kneel when I pray. I do. Sometimes I pray sitting at my desk, sitting at my piano. I pray a lot during meetings, and I have a lot of meetings. But sometimes I'm hearing all the nutty things you people are doing. I'm like, dear Jesus, I need, I'm praying, I need, I need help. One of the most effective things that I do is that I walk and pray. Because I've discovered the older I get, I might be just a little bit ADD. And so when I sit, like the first two or three minutes of my prayer are good. Next thing I know, man, I'm dreaming about UFOs and flying saucers and Yesterday morning, we had an incredible women's breakfast, great turnout. And uh, while Erica was at the women's breakfast, I spent three hours at home, and I was just praying and seeking the Lord. And I wasn't, I spent three hours watching UFO Revolution. <laughs> Fully convinced we're not alone in this world, people. <laughs> Too much evidence. But when I walk, I stay a little bit focused. When, when I sit, my mind tends to wander. That's very true. And sometimes it's like deep theological stuff, you know. Like why do they make a pizza a circle? But they serve it in triangles. And they put it in a square box. Like so many unanswered questions. But when I walk... Man, I stay focused. I keep moving. If you see me walking around this church, if you drive by early in the morning, it's like, I'm just praying. Nothing's wrong. I'm just, it, it helps me to pray. What's most important 
is the position of your heart. And let me tell you what God's really, really looking for from you, more than knees bowed and, and head bowed and I, more than all that. What God is really looking for is the attitude of humility and dependency. I mean, if you want to be effective in prayer, this is the attitude you have to have, humility and dependency. 1 Peter 5 says this, that God resists the proud. That's horrifying, but he gives grace to the humble. Am I the only one in this room this morning that needs a whole bunch of God's grace, man? I have to have a heart of humility. And truly, this is how God taught us to pray. I know he gave us a little outline, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But if you look at that prayer, there is a central heart that flows through every single line of that prayer. It's humility and it's dependency. Our Father in heaven. You're acknowledging that he's your dad. And if he's your dad, he's bigger, he's better, he's smarter, he's stronger. In heaven, I'm here on earth with this limited perspective. But God, you're in heaven. You see the end from the beginning. That's humility. Hallowed be your name. Hey, nobody worship me. Nobody look at me. You're the only one that's worthy. You're the only one that's good. You're the only one that's faithful. That's humility. Your kingdom come. God, not my will be done. I make a mess of things. But I'm coming to you in humility saying, I want you your will. No matter how much I kick or scream or cry or fight, God, I want your will. That's humility. Give us today our daily bread. God, I have no idea what's coming today. I have no idea what I need, but I am depending on you to give everything I need to provide for me. That's humility. That's dependency. Are you seeing this, friends? Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, I don't have the ability to change myself. Come on, somebody give me a witness. It doesn't matter how much I work or how much I try. I can't fix me. I can't forgive me. God, I am depending on you all through that prayer. It's humility and it's dependency. Forget about the posture of your body. Start worrying about the position of your heart, friends. He is so much more concerned with those things. Number three, if you're going to be successful in prayer, you need a place, you need a posture, and you need a plan. And this is one of the most practical things that I hope you can grab a hold of today. Because so many of us don't have a successful prayer life just because we really don't know where to start or what to do. Right? I mean, you want to pray. The preacher tells you to pray and that it's good and that it works and it does all these things for you. But then you get in the car and you try and like, ah, God, uh, thank you for today and my family and my wife sometimes and thank you for my job. I mean, you just go down this little list and before you know it, you're trailing off and calling him dear Lord baby Jesus and golden fleece diaper. Like, what, what's going on? Because you just don't know. Where to start, really? So, I think you need a plan. And maybe this doesn't apply to everyone in the room, because I know some of you, most of you probably, you jump out of bed every single morning full of the Holy Ghost and power, and you're ready to pray and pull down principalities. But for us mere mortals, sometimes we, we just need a place to start. So can I give you just a few practical down-to-earth places to start this morning? Here's one that I use all the time. It's called the, the, the five-finger prayer. Five-finger prayer. Everybody's got five for the most part. The thumb is that th <laughs> Some of you missing one or two. <laughs> the, 
The thumb is, is the finger that's closest to you, right? So start there, man. Pray for those things that are closest to you. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for those loved ones. Pray for those coworkers, those things that are closest to you. Then, man, my pointer finger, that thing that's used to give direction and correction. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your coaches. Pray for your doctors. Pray for your pastor. Please pray for your pastor. Your middle finger is the, it's the thing that sticks out the most. It's the tallest. Pray for your leaders, your government, your elected officials. It is just a coincidence that the government and the middle finger are in the same sentence. That was, <laughs> didn't intend that, but. <laughs> First responders, elected, I mean, pray for, your ring finger, it's the weakest finger you got. I can't even hold mine up straight. I mean, it's pitiful. It's a reminder, pray for those that are weak. Pray for those that are sick. Pray for those people that are poor. And your pinky is the smallest, last but not least. Pray for yourself, for God's will to be done in your life. It's very simple. Start with the five-finger prayer. Here, here, here's another prayer that's very simple. I literally got these off of Google, friends, okay? Like this is, this is practical Christianity. Pray the ripple prayer. Thinks about things that start close to you and then work their way out. First things first, thank God for everything that he's done in your life and give him praise. Start with worship for what he's doing, for what he's done, for what he's going to do. And then pray for yourself. Man, those struggles, those weaknesses, what you want to see him do in and through you. Then pray for your family. Pray for your friends. It just keeps rippling out. Pray for our city, our community. Pray for our churches. Pray for our pastors, our, our leaders. Pray for this place. Man, McAllister needs Jesus. Pray for our nation. Again, it just keeps rippling out. You could spend the next three or four weeks praying but for nothing but our nation. Pray for this nation. And then pray for the world. God didn't just call us to McAllister. He said, go into all the world. We just sent some money over earlier this week. We're building three more classrooms at our school in Burundi, Africa. So that's wonderful. P pray for the King's Hope School. Pray for Pastor Samari in Maasai land who's seeing so many salvations. And pray for Israel. Pray for Ukraine. I mean, there's plenty to pray for, friends. Now listen, this is not taking the Holy Spirit out of the equation at all. Because if somewhere along the prayer, man, your heart gets burdened with something different. Or you feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, focus over here. Well, then do it. Sorry, Holy Spirit, I'm just on my pinky. I got, I got two more fingers to go. Like, no. It, it's just a place to start. Just, just a place to start. Make a schedule. I mean, get that practical. There's a reason I read the one-year Bible. Do you know why? Because I never have to wonder what am I going to read. What is today? January 21st, is that right? 20th, that's what, that's what I'm going to read today. And if somewhere along the way something sparks in my heart or I feel the Holy Spirit leading me elsewhere, I'll go read that too. But every day I know what I'm going to read. It, it's, it's right there for me. It tells me. I need that kind of structure in my life. So make up your mind. Hey, on Mondays I'm going to pray for my family, my kids, my spouse. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray for Pastor Mark and the staff in Dream City Church. On Wednesday, you should probably pray again for Pastor Mark and the staff. And like, Give me three or four days, but get put a plan in place. So many of us don't do anything because we just don't know where to start. Don't make it hyper-spiritual, friends. Make a plan and stick with it. The last P that you need is persistence. Whatever you do, if you will just do it. Every single day. 
Matthew 7 says it like this. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I'm sure there's plenty of you here this morning that says, "Eh." Pastor Mark, the thing is, is that I have asked, I have definitely sought, and I've done some knocking, and nothing's happening. What am I supposed to do now? It's super simple, friends. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. And when you've done that, and the Lord still hasn't moved in your life, You go back to one, and you keep seeking, you keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep. This is what you do over and over again because it's a promise, friends. Just keep coming back. Just keep doing the same thing. Believe in God, trust in God, taking those steps forward. Here's what I found when I look over the last 24 years of my life. I don't believe that. Power happens in one singular magic prayer. And I feel like, man, there's been some times where I knew I prayed and God was hearing me and the Holy Spirit was praying through me. And I believe that. But I I don't believe that real power comes from that one singular magical prayer. I believe that power is produced in our lives with the persistent, passionate prayer. Day after day, after day, after day. That, that's where God does the most in our lives, friends. Listen, we all love the story of the walls of Jericho. Man, the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River. There was that fortified city, giants in the land, the walls so large that they were racing chariots around the top. I mean, this was an impressive place. You all know the story, and that's, that's the part we celebrate, right? Man, they marched around there, and they shouted and blew the trumpets, and the walls fell, and God did a miracle. Woo! And that's what we want in our lives, man. Those moments of breakthrough where the walls fall, and it's incredible. Yeah, God. But we always overlook the other part of the story. That every single day, they got up. And did these seemingly insignificant, seemingly pointless obediences. What are you going to do today? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to load our rocket launchers, our bazookas. We're going to blast this wall down. Yeah, America. You're going to get up. You're going to be quiet. And you're going to march around that city. I wonder if there was any women marching around the city. That might be the biggest miracle of all. (laughs) Being quiet, marching around the city. I'm sorry, I love you ladies. (laughs) Husbands, don't laugh, man. This is dangerous. Man, how how extraordinary was that? I'm sure when they got back to their tents that night, they were just high-fiving and jacked up, man. What a day. Woo-hoo-hoo. No, what a boring, pointless obedience, right? And then the next day, what are we going to do this morning, troops? Yeah. We're not going to say a word, and we're just going to walk around this city. And that's where many of us get lost in our lives. We want the walls to fall. We want the victories. We want the, those are coming. But friends, some days you just got to make up your mind that I'm going to keep my mouth shut 
and I'm just going to do what God told me to do. And it's not going to be exciting, and it's not going to be glamorous, and there's not going to be whistles and yo-yos and confetti cannons, and it's just, I'm just going to do today what God asked me to do. It seems small. It seems insignificant. I'm just going to be obedient, and I'm just going to trust that if I keep following him, that he's getting me to where he wants me to get. And the next day, you just get up, you keep your mouth shut, and you follow after Jesus. Come on. And the next day, you get up, you keep your mouth shut, you just follow, and then you wake up one day and say, holy cow, look at what God has done in my life. Listen, there's been days in my life that I celebrated so much. Looking back the last five years, unbelievable what God's done. I'll never forget the day I stood here, confetti cannons going off. We were debt free. Oh, I mean, God had done the miraculous. We celebrate those days as we should. But that miracle didn't happen that day. That miracle happened three years before then. When every single day I walked right here and prayed. And I walked right here and prayed, and the next day, and the next day, and nobody knew it, and nobody saw it, and nobody celebrated it, but God said, you just trust me. You just believe. You just pray. And that's how God moves mountains in our lives, friends. He wants to move some mountains in your lives, in your marriage, in your family. But are you willing just to get up every day and embrace the grind that I'm going to do what God's called me to do today? And I'm going to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Listen, prayer will and can absolutely change your life. Revolutionize your relationship with the Lord. Let me encourage you today, just get started doing it, man. You can't mess it up. If you just start doing it, even if you're doing it wrong, he'll help you get it straightened back out. Amen. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. God, I know that you have incredible things in store for us. The next days are the best days, God. But you're trying to develop some of these traits in us. Because, God, you don't want us to miss what you have. And it takes persistence. And it takes embracing the daily grind of just following after you, trusting you, depending on you with a heart of humility. God, I thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing. And most importantly, for what you're going to continue to do, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, man, I love you guys so much. Uh, tonight at 5 o'clock, we have our uh, uh, family meeting or, or state of the church address, if you will. So I'm going to talk about where the church is, where the church is growing, finances, how money's being spent, all that stuff. So if you consider this place home, you're invited, 5 o'clock tonight. God bless you.